in the streets I'm just not there in the streets All right, welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a while. It's been a, a fat minute. A fat minute. Oh, a yeah. fat, fat minute. Yeah. Um, so, we've, uh, been, we've been busy. Yeah. Right? Got college, got tuition. Got yeah. Gotta make that money somehow. <laughs> yeah. You know, can't uh, live off of free sponsored Theo Bell. Unfortunately. <laughs> I'm trying, bro. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but yeah, um, I know that we've been just really pushing a lot of content out for you guys yeah. to see. You know, a lot of, a lot of episodes. Yeah. We've yeah. been really uh, prioritizing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys aren't uh, sick of our voices. Yeah. From how much you've heard them lately. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, we. Uh, this episode was actually already recorded. Mm. Um, yeah. But, but it didn't actually record at all. We didn't save it, so this. Well, this, your part didn't record. So. Yeah. The, uh, the main the, part. Didn't yeah, get the main part. Um, so this is a re-recording of this episode, but. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully it'll actually be better than it was the first time because now so, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, we uh, this episode we're just gonna like talk about our stories. Um, yeah. Drake is gonna start us off, and then the next episode we're actually gonna jump into my story. But um, yeah, we just decided to, you know. Uh, talk about something we already know, we've already familiar with, we don't really have to study uh, since we really didn't study creation destruction. <laughs> yeah, that's not <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, it was just, and it's like, it was something more mellow, uh, yeah. a little bit chill, you know, we dove really deep with our first episode. Yes, we did. So, we, uh, we actually had this one guy, uh, <laughs> yeah, I met him at the dodgeball tournament. Uh, he came up to me, he's like, yeah, he was kind of new to faith and he was like getting plugged in and church and whatever. And he looked at my Instagram and was like, hey, uh, so I saw that you have a podcast named Theo Bell. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I listened to the first episode. It was like about hell. It was really interesting. And then in my head, I was like, no, you shouldn't <laughs> be listening to that, at least right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so that was actually a... Uh, uh, a prophetic warning from John Rush that I didn't <laughs> listen to. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, you want to just uh, just start us off with just you know, yeah, your story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so um, I'm 24 years old right now. Uh, I grew up in a family of four. I was the third boy, and I have a younger sister as well. Um, I was born in like Southern Illinois, moved around a little bit as a kid, um, and then landed in Homewood, Illinois for um, like the majority of my like school. Like I went preschool through seventh grade there. Um, and yeah, I grew up in the church. Uh, we went to an Assemblies of God church um, which is Pentecostal, for those of you who don't know. They believe in speaking in tongues as uh, the evidence of the Spirit. Um, and I really, I really loved being a part of church. I had a lot of really good friends there. Um, I loved the stuff that we did. Um, but it, wasn't, it was more so just like believing because my parents believed. It wasn't really 
anything too concrete. Um, and when I was about five years old, um, my grandmother had a heart attack um, and she was like a really important uh, maternal figure to a lot of people in the family, um, especially me and my um, one of my brothers, Ross. Um, and then it was my mom's mom and they were really close um, and we just spent a lot of time with her and stuff. Uh, so it was really hard for us as a family um, during that time and uh, I was I was like really young I was only five years old when it happened um, so it was really hard uh, but we prayed a lot for healing and uh, it it didn't happen and she ended up passing away and uh, that was like that really shook me as a five-year-old um, and it would even I kept believing in God, um, but it, I kind of stopped believing in prayer uh, just because the thing that we prayed for didn't happen. Um, so it just seemed like God was kind of this distant figure who didn't really like care about the people that he created. Um, so it just, it just kind of like disillusioned me a bit. Um, and then my grandfather died pretty shortly thereafter. Um, and so it was just kind of, it was kind of odd as a kid, um, just experiencing that so young. Um, but yeah, then I just kept kind of going along, living life. And uh, when I was about 13, uh, in between seventh and eighth grade, uh, my parents decided to move uh, from Homewood, Illinois with, to uh, Piatone. And Homewood was like more of a suburb, pretty close to the city, um, really diverse community, a lot happening. And uh, Piatone was like pretty much the complete opposite of that. Uh, and very small town, very like dull, very uh, nothing. Like there was a McDonald's and a Subway, and that was about it. Uh, and so I was like, I was very upset by it and being like 13 years old, I was very angsty, very uh, outraged at my parents and um, this basically led to like me becoming atheist. I like denounced my faith and uh, it was really, it was really truthfully a culmination of what had happened with my grandparents and just everything in general. Um, all coming to a head at this point in my life um, where I had to like deal with a lot of things that I had kind of repressed earlier on. And so, um, yeah, living in Piatone, I just was very upset, but um, I like basically entered a depression and um, I, and my parents ended up sending me to counseling and to see a psychiatrist and I ended up on medication um, for de the depression and uh, I didn't really like being on medication so I would often just take myself off of it uh, usually whenever the uh, drugs actually started working <laughs> I felt like oh I'm good so I don't need to take this anymore um, and so it was just a lot of back and forth and really 
like just not knowing how to like actually cope with this kind of thing. Um, but uh, during that time, I like uh, through depression, I learned that I was a writer and uh, got into poetry, which was um, very rewarding. And um, I uh, actually got my first girlfriend from that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I don't know. I don't know if anyone listening is familiar with MySpace, uh, but that was the big, big thing back then. And uh, there was a thing called Truthbox where you could anonymously. (laughs) (laughs) Anonymously. Wow. Usually I'm hoping Sajad pronounce words. He helped me out. (laughs) You're the one that corrected. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you can send messages anonymously. And uh, so I would send this girl poems because uh, I knew she wrote as well, and uh, she ended up liking them and uh, breaking up with her boyfriend. <laughs> and uh, we dated. Uh, <laughs> and it was, it was really cool. She knew she was from my church, and she knew I didn't believe, um, but she kind of, like, just supported me through that. Um, and just because we were young, it didn't end up working out, um, and so we broke up, but we're still cool now. Um, but uh, I'm glad I never got into that truth box thing. I would have ended up in a very bad place. Yeah, dude, it was <laughs> it was messy for sure. Um, <laughs> it was an adventure. That's a story for another time. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so then I uh, I went into my freshman year, and uh, I like came out of my shell a little bit and kind of just accepted like, okay, I live here now. I need to just make the most of it. And uh, I started making some friends. Um, and I, like, I was just kind of an oddball. Um, and being that I was like so depressed my eighth grade year, people kind of like thought I was a freak. Um, so I just ended up befriending a lot of the, a lot of my fellow freaks and uh, a lot of them ended up also being potheads because living in a small town, (laughs) there really wasn't much to do besides drugs. And so, uh, yeah, so I just, I just became friends with a lot of stoners and uh, for a long time I would hang out with them and they would smoke and I would just chill and hang out with them and uh, it was just whatever. And uh, then I ended up having a bad day. Um, I don't know why, I don't even remember. Um, But then I just found one of my friends, Patrick, and I was like, hey dude, like, I wanna smoke weed, I wanna try it. And he was like, okay, like, we'll make it happen. And so they did. And uh, that Friday after the football game, I was getting high in Gus's dad's RV. And uh, that's how it went. And so then uh, I I loved it. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. Um, And I ended up getting pretty into it, um, smoking weed with my friends all the time. Um, And uh, in a a really strange way, uh, like, that was partially how I came back to God. 
um, I was really struggling with a lot of like big questions about the universe and understanding, attempting to understand like why everything works the way it does and if God is real, why would he like allow these things to happen? Like why would he move me? Why would he allow my grandma to die? Um, you know, why would he allow countries to just live in starvation, like stuff like that. And um, smoking weed helped me to realize that like, even though I have these big questions, um, that like some things just aren't going to be answered in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And some things are beyond my understanding. Um, and like, while that was a big moment, for me, um, it didn't, it wasn't, it was a mental realization, but it wasn't like a lifestyle change. It wasn't um, that I like, was like, oh yeah, Jesus is real. And then I decided to like live for Jesus. It was more so just like, okay, yeah, like I, I believe in God, but I'm just gonna keep doing what feels good. Right. Um, and so since like, since we were all in high school and we were dumb, we uh, like we were like, yeah, weed is pretty cool. Like, let's also try shrooms. Let's also try acid. Um, so oh, it just led to a pattern of uh, just doing like e experimenting with whatever experiences might be interesting. Um, so what you're saying is you do believe that weed is a gateway drug? Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, I, I actually do believe that it is a gateway drug because for me it was like, it was. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's like just my character. And I, I, don't think it, I don't think it's the drug itself. I think it's more so the community right. that you become a part of. Because for me it was like, my friends were like, yeah, like we smoke weed. Hey, we're also gonna try shrooms. Do you wanna try shrooms? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I do believe it is. Um, but that's just personal opinion. Right, right. But uh, yeah, so then uh, I ended up graduating high school by the skin of my teeth, um, just barely scratching by. And uh, shortly after high school, um, I uh, was hanging out with some friends and we went over to another friend's house and uh, I assumed we would just be smoking weed there because we had done it there before. Um, but when we got there, uh, he, they were taking ecstasy. And uh, I was like, I was like, I'm good. <laughs> because uh, my only real experience with ecstasy was uh, hearing from my older brothers that one of their friends uh, believed it was the forbidden fruit um, from like Genesis. And growing up in the church, that like really freaked me out uh, because that was like the original sin. And that was the one thing Adam and Eve shouldn't have done was eat the forbidden fruit. Um, so after hearing that, I was just like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever gonna try it. Um, and so that was like, I didn't explain all of that to them in this like trailer, but <laughs> I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, I don't want to try that ecstasy. And they were like, oh man, like, are you sure? Like, uh, you know, you can try it. It's just this one time. And like, I've never heard of anyone having a bad experience. And 
I now know that it is a signal to not do whatever that person is saying. Um, because I will be the one person that has a bad experience. Um, and so I took ecstasy and uh, it must have been laced with something because um, I was up for three days straight afterwards and um, I just became very psychotic. And uh, I, I took it on a Sunday and I worked on a Tuesday and so uh, by that Tuesday, I was finally actually crashing from the drug, and so I went to work at this library, um, and I was very distraught and like very visibly like messed up. And uh, all I would do is I would take books from the front desk and go to the shelf and put a few of them away, and then just cry and cry, <laughs> and. Uh, and like there was a mom there who like looked and could tell I was like super messed up. And so I just went to my boss and I was like, hey, I don't feel good. I think I need to go home. And they were like, okay, like if that's, you know, if that's how you feel, like I think that's okay. So I did and um, I had already explained to my parents like, hey, I'm on this drug, like I haven't slept in a while. And they're like, oh my God, like, that's not good, Drake. And they had caught me with weed and stuff before. Um, but I like this to me felt like a religious experience. And um, I can't explain that now, uh, but I was so confident in telling my parents because for me, like it felt like I had found God. And um, that's just how much the drugs mess me up is like I literally can't explain that now because um, it doesn't make sense to me but the, like during that time period it really did um, and so I I just was completely out of it and uh, I ended up going to Chicago and trying to live with my brothers for a little bit and that didn't work out and so I uh, I came home and I was still very like very very much out of it so I ended up going to a mental institution because um, I just told my parents like look this isn't getting better I think this is what I need to do and um, I had a very bad experience in the mental institution um, I was just poorly taken care of um, nothing like super sketchy happened um, they just have a bad habit of lying to mental institution pa patients, which is like super bad, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and uh, so yeah, I ended up getting stabilized and they did put me on some medication um, and I just like leveled out there and uh, it was really good. And um, so yeah, and then I came home and it took me a while to really get back to normal. I was still pretty like paranoid about a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I went to like a rehab type program. Um, and I, I like wasn't doing drugs for a little bit, um, but I basically was just going through all of the motions uh, to appease my parents and to appease like doctors and whoever else. Um, and I was just waiting until the coast was clear basically until I could like start smoking weed again um, and so then I like got a job at McDonald's um, and 
did that for a little bit and once I had money I was like okay I can start buying weed again and then like that was like really the heaviest part of my uh, like marijuana use um, and that's like when I truly became addicted uh, which I do believe also that you can get addicted to weed right. um, not in like the same way that you would get addicted to cigarettes but it's like a more of a mental thing where you feel like you need it um, so yeah, and then I was just getting high and working at McDonald's, and uh, I ended up meeting a girl, actually in the drive-through, <laughs> and uh, we like hit it off and started dating, um, and it was like it was really good, but it was also really bad, and uh, we were just um, we weren't uh, in the healthiest place. Uh, either one of us and uh, I had a lot of stuff that I had not really like truly dealt with um, and I kind of like introduced her to drugs and it was just kind of messy in a lot of different ways um, and so we like we would break up and then get back together and then break up and then get back together and it was just really back and forth and we fought a lot um, and it all like this all happened over the course of a year and it like ended in um, us fighting one night and uh, me threatening to kill myself and um, her like saying she didn't believe me because it was something that I often threatened and um, so I ended up like swerving the car and uh, it ended up like flipping over on its side and um, since I was unstable at the time, I can't really like say if I was trying to kill myself or her or like I really can't explain my actions. Um, but so my like Jeep Cherokee luckily saved my life. Uh, uh, Waldo, what was his name? Waldo, <laughs> no. But, uh, but yeah, it, so then I, it's on the side of the road and I call the police and I'm like, hey, like, I just flipped my car on the side of the road. Like, somebody needs to come and take care of the car and I think an ambulance needs to take me to a mental institution because I think I just tried to kill myself. And so they sent one and I checked myself in and this was actually a much better experience. Um, and. I talked to my parents a lot throughout it, and uh, they really wanted me to go into rehab, and I was pretty against it, and I ended up getting a call from a cousin of mine, uh, Michelle, and she like kind of explained like, yeah, like I don't, even if you think you're okay now, like I, my addiction got worse and worse, and she was like, Weed. weed was the basis of all of it. I would smoke weed to get up, I would smoke weed to go to sleep, I would smoke weed to watch TV, I would smoke weed to eat, and like, that was just the routine. And she was like, I wish I would've gotten it figured out when I was 22, rather than when I was 30 years old, because for me, it didn't happen until then. So that was just kind of eye-opening. And so I decided I, I would go to rehab um, and so I did, and I was still kind of like 
okay, like I can do this for a little bit and maybe I'll be clean for a while, but I'm still gonna go back to smoking weed eventually because that's just what I do and that's part of who I am. Um, and I was just kind of still like faking for everyone. Um, and uh, I ended up going to a meeting one night, which wasn't like AA, but it was similar. And um, somebody was sharing about um, a, a friend or a family member like overdosing and dying. And um, while we were there, there was a family there of boys and they were like just running around and playing. And um, it reminded me of like me and my brothers and um, my, my nephew Killian who had been born like a few years before then and um, who like I, I loved him so much and he was really like a light in my life. And um, it, it just kind of struck me that if, um, if that car crash had gone differently and like I had really died, uh, my nephew wouldn't have an uncle and like my brothers wouldn't have a brother and my parents wouldn't have a son. And um, it was just, it like really wrecked me. And uh, I went home that night to the hotel that, like the hotel room I was staying in and I just broke down um, and was sobbing and it was like one of the most spiritual moments in my life. Um, and I just very clearly felt like God telling me like, hey dude, like you have to be for real now. Like yeah. you can't keep faking your entire life and just doing things to appease other people and just doing what you think like is right to get other people off your back. And uh, it was, like it was the most spiritual awakening moment of my life. And um, so from then on, I was like, okay, like I have to take this seriously. Like I have to actually get clean. I have to deal with the issues that I'm having. Um, and so I did. And uh, I was only supposed to be in the rehab for like a month. Um, and the, the last week before uh, I was gonna like actually go home. I uh, I started working out, and uh, I went to the hotel gym, yeah. and uh, I was on the elliptical, and I had these like really bad shoes, and I started going really fast, and I felt like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> I was like, like I felt like so cool, and uh, I uh, I ended up slipping off, and the um, the ellipt like I was dangling from the elliptical and the, the pedals came back and hit me in the leg and I got off and I tried to stand on, on like my foot and it just buckled underneath me and uh, I was like, oh wow, my leg is broken. Um, and it was the first broken bone I'd ever gotten in my life. Uh, but I, I was like, okay, yeah, this is for sure broken. Yeah. Um, and so luckily I had like headphones and I was able to call a staff member and I was like, hey, like, I'm in the gym. Someone needs to come help me. I just broke my leg. And they were like, wait, seriously? And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's broken. Like, and they were like, okay. And so a guy came down, and he was able to pick me up and carry me, um, <laughs> which, like, thank God I'm so light. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they, like, 
sat me down on the curb outside and looked at it and they were like, wow, yeah, okay, we need to take you to the hospital. Yeah. And so they drove me to the hospital and uh, which was like way better than taking an ambulance because ambulances are really expensive. Oh, yeah. The metal, medical system is really messed up. Anyway, <laughs> um, they took me to the hospital and uh, the, the, I believe the medical term was goose egg because two different medical professionals called it a goose egg that I had on my leg. All right, <laughs> goose egg, baby. So that's what it was. And um, they did an x-ray and uh, I remember the staff member that was with me was like, wow, man, you weren't lying. Like, yeah. This is definitely broken. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I had a feeling. Um, and so they think it was something from the car crash that actually just got worse oh, yeah. um, from the elliptical incident. So uh, they, uh, they ended up putting a, ti a titanium rod in my leg. Um, so I'm man of steel, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then I, I had to be on a wheelchair for a little bit afterwards, and then crutches as well. And, uh, yeah, and so then I had to stay in the rehab another month because it just made more sense to be somewhere that had an elevator and somewhere where it was just easy for me to uh, maneuver. And uh, I was pretty, I was pretty frustrated. I was really angry at God, and uh, I ended up calling a pastor of mine from home who had known me like the majority of my life, and I was just like, "Hey, dude, why is God punishing me for being healthy and trying to get sober?" Yeah. And he was like, "I think what I try to do." is realize that everything that I'm doing is for the glory of God. And if I'm not doing it for the glory of God, then I shouldn't be doing it. And so whenever I put things through the lens of like recognizing that I'm doing something for God and God is doing something through me, then it becomes easier to accept that if things go wrong, it's probably the devil trying to, yeah. to destroy something good that yeah. God is doing through me. And um, so that just really shifted my perspective. And um, I had really gotten into a mindset of like, oh, look at me, I'm getting sober, I'm getting healthy, I'm working out, I'm gonna be tough and sexy. And uh, so then I think like God was like, okay, like you need to get knocked down a notch. Yeah. And so it was, he was like, he was like, I'm gonna let this happen to you yeah. and you're gonna experience pain and it's gonna suck. Yeah. And you're not gonna be able to do the things that you want. And so it just kind of like was an ego check and it was really nice. Um, so after, after the, like I, I had healed significantly, I was able to walk on crutches. Um, I, uh, I was able to go home um, and all I wanted to do when I was in rehab was go back to work and just start living life normally. Um, but since I was still healing um, from the surgery and, and the broken leg, uh, I wasn't able to go back to work um, because I, wouldn't, I wasn't able to drive, which was what I did. I was a Jimmy John's driver at this point. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, so I started looking into school and um, I was like, 
talking to my parents about it, and I was like, you know, I never really took school seriously right. before, um, but I think if I really want to like do something with my life, I can like, you know, get a get a degree, get a real job, and like do something. Um, and so I started looking into online schooling, um, and I was like going to go through this program uh, to become a nurse, and at like. I applied, I started talking to like staff members at the college about like, uh, you know, filling out FAFSA, all that stuff. And um, I, my mom like mentioned City First Leadership College um, and she was like, yeah, like it used to be Focus One and before that was Rockford Master's Commission, which we knew a few people who went through that. And she was like, they just, um, like redid a lot of their curriculum and I think you would really um, get a lot out of it. And so I, uh, I was like, mom, I'm finally like actually signed up for college. I'm actually doing this program. Like, I'm like, can I just do what I'm like already set on? Right. And she was like, she was like, please understand. Like, I'm not trying to like confuse you or anything. I just want you to consider all of your options. And I think this might be something you're interested in. So I was like, okay, and I emailed them for information, and I got an email back from Jenny Ostrowski. Mm. She was like, she was like, yeah, if you want to do it, like, we start in two weeks, but you know, we yeah. are definitely still accepting people. And so I was like, okay, like, blah blah blah. Here's my info. And uh, Lance Vistein, the director oh, of the program, yeah. ended up calling me um, like a few days later. He called me on a Wednesday, and he was like started asking me a lot of questions and he was like yeah so like you're 22 like what have you done since high school and I was like honestly man like I just worked a lot of dead-end fast food jobs and uh, I like just did a lot of drugs like I wasn't really like I lived pretty aimlessly and he was like okay like what have you done within the past year and I was like well I was in a really toxic relationship and I tried to kill myself, and then I went to rehab for two months, and I broke my leg. And he was like, oh, he was like, okay. And uh, the interview went pretty terribly. Um, <laughs> but so then he was like, okay, well, I'm gonna meet with staff tomorrow, and I should call you by 5 p.m. and let you know, like, if you, if we're gonna like allow you into the program or not. And so I was like, okay, cool. And I hung up and I was like, hey mom, I'm going to nursing school still. That, ter that interview went so bad. <laughs> and she was like, okay, well, let's just see what they say tomorrow. And um, you know, if it, you know, it's really God's will. If he wants you to be in this program, then you will. And if not, like, you won't. So I was like, yeah, like that's true. And uh, so then the next day came and five o'clock came and I didn't get a call. So I was like, cool, I'm not in it. Um, and so like I was getting ready to like email the nursing school people and just be like, hey, like, like I'm still interested, blah, blah, blah. And I got a call from uh, Lance and it was a Thursday. And he was like, okay, dude, uh, we're gonna take a chance on you. Uh, you're making it into the program. You're moving in Saturday. So pack oh your bags, be out here at like 9 a.m. And I was like, okay. <laughs> And so I did, and I was like, okay, mom, we gotta go uh, to Target and get some stuff. <laughs> so we like packed all my bags in the next two days. I like said my farewells to yeah, people. Four and, of ramen. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did it. I went, and uh, 
yeah, the rest was history. And now I'm here doing this podcast. That's yeah. the job. Formerly known as Spin Bob. Mm-hmm. Oof. <laughs> That's who I met him as. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the coolest part uh, is when you were, you were talking about uh, how you were talking to your youth pastor, kids yeah. pastor, you know? And you, like, was meant, like, talking to him about how, like, you just felt like God was punishing you because you were making some headway with yeah. leading on with life and you're really just, like, doing effort to, like, take the opportunity and make, you know, yeah. and all that. Um, and then, you know, that happens. And then you're like, why is God punishing me right now? Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's so interesting uh, how, like, because like, I know I've experienced that in my life where, like, uh, when stuff is going good, when things, when life is going right, and then something bad happens. Yeah. First person I go to, to like, to blame, or not even to blame, to accuse, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. is to, like, God. Like, yeah. God is the one that allowed this to happen. God is the one that's punishing me. God's the one that wants to do this when it's really not, you know? Yeah. And it's, like, it's even just, like, it's our ego speaking of when, like, stuff is going well, and then when it doesn't, yeah. we automatically blame God for it. And yeah. it's just kind of, like... That is just such a twisted and the opposite mindset yeah. of what it really is, you know? Yeah, and even, like, to bring it, like, full circle is, like, I just didn't understand how it fit into the grand scheme. Yeah. Um, because if I hadn't have broken my leg, like, I wouldn't be in, like, the leadership college right. now. Right. And I don't know, like, where my faith would be because I probably would have become a lot more complacent yeah. if I was still in the situation. Um, that I was in living at home and whatever else Um, and so like I think I think when things go wrong we're often just like God why did you do this like what like what why do you hate me (laughs) and it's like God's just like look man like I understand a lot more of what's going on than you do so can you just trust me with this yeah and so um, it's just really interesting because even even such a like bad situation and something that I really hated at the time like played into my future and I feel like that is the same way with like my grandma passing at such a young age it kind of forced me to deal with like life ending and like the fact that everyone is going to die yeah um so yeah yeah no for sure man it's uh it's crazy like uh, even when you were talking about uh, how, like, you were struggling with just, like, you know, universal questions, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. why is this happening? Why is God letting this happen? Yeah. You know, um, why did God not, you know, help uh, just my family, yeah. you know? Um, and you found the realization of just, like, you know, sometimes it's okay not to know the answer to yeah. these questions. You yeah. Know? And it's just, it's... It's such a part, like a big part of like, even like, like, I don't know, a lot of what I'm hearing is just like, we get so stuck in our own self-centeredness that yeah. um, we get so self-centered that the motive that we're seeking out the answers for is not really for anything else but for ourselves, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's just kind of like... God's main purpose is to show you that not everything is about us. Yeah, totally. So, And I think, like, even 
because like I I tread carefully when I say that like weed brought me back to faith right because I know that's like controversial and I know a lot of people hear that and shut off but I don't like I know God is strong enough that if I had never smoked weed, he still would have brought me back yeah. to him. And he still would have found a way to make himself apparent to me. Um, and like that was just God working through what I was doing and what like the sin patterns that I was creating in my life, he still utilized right. to like for his glory. Yeah. And if I had never gone down that path in life, I wouldn't have experienced like the things that I did and I wouldn't be where I am now, which is Rockford, Illinois. Yeah. And it, it is like, you know, recording this podcast and et cetera, et cetera. Like, um, even though like those se- those things seemed foolish at the time, God was like, okay, like if you want to be this idiot right now, if you want to like do these dumb things, I'm still going to like right. use it. Yeah. Like he, he is all powerful and he is all knowing. So he's like, all right, like even if you do this, like it's still gonna glorify me, right? Yeah, which is amazing. Like yeah. it's truly a, like a testament. To yeah, him. yeah, no, for sure, man. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, well, I mean, yeah, thanks for sharing. No, seriously, yeah, of course. you know, uh, I don't want to move past that. Uh, so, but yeah, that's we actually had freaking Taco Bell when we first recorded this. <laughs> yeah. We were like, yeah. let's get Taco Bell for this episode. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at the cheese. Like, uh, throughout that whole time, I was looking at the lettuce and the cheese from my taco that I ate earlier <laughs> yeah. when we first recorded this. Yeah. And uh, so there was kind of Taco Bell here, just crumbs. crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, but, yeah, so um, next time we'll, we'll have you share. Your story? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, just go from there. Yeah, it's going to be good. So um, we'll try our best to stay consistent. Uh, yes. That's the plan. Uh, we do. I mean, we do this for fun. Uh, I, uh, I don't know if I, like, if it's a good idea to say this, like, live, but we, we do this for fun, but we also do this for us. So... I don't know if I should say that because most people, when they do stuff, it's like, oh, it's usually for you guys, which I mean, it is. But yeah, like, yeah. Honestly, Hopefully, you guys get something out of it. But yeah. it's it's a it's a passion project for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, and that's part of why there's been such a huge such a huge gap. Yeah. Um, because it's it's more so just taking personal time to like dive into subjects that we're more interested in. Right. So. Yeah. 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 So. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time out. It's been great. I hope you learned something about me. Yeah, it's been good. So this is Theo Bell signing off. Much love. Yeah, peace out. In the streets I'm just not there In the streets I'm just not